Amen. Hey, before we dive into the, uh, to the message this morning, obviously on this weekend and especially tomorrow where we remember all the men and women of our country who have given their lives in service to our country, I also feel it's important to just take time because we don't do it enough to honor the men and women who have served or are now serving our country in any of the armed forces. So if you have served in the armed forces or are serving us now, would you please stand so we could acknowledge you today as well? Please. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for your service to all of us and to our country, and we do want to certainly reflect and remember all those who've given everything so that we could be free and remain free. So we're continuing our series in 2 Timothy. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. Before we dive into 2 Timothy chapter 2, I, I want to read some words from Jesus, though, and then I'll go back to 2 Timothy. You can go ahead and get to 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Here's what Jesus said to his followers. He said, enter through the narrow gate. Because the gate is wide and the way is spacious that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. But the gate is narrow, and the way is difficult that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Many Christians just apply those verses to salvation. And though I don't think that's wrong to apply that to salvation, I think it needs to be broadened to not only refer and apply to salvation, but to the whole Christian life. The whole way of following Jesus and becoming more like Him is difficult. And those even Christians who really experience abundant life are very few. In fact, over in 2 Timothy, we're going to learn in a couple weeks that Paul tells Timothy in chapter 3, verse 1, that difficult days will come in the last days. And those difficult days are here. And the reason I wanted to start off with that was for this reason. Remember one of the sort of key impacts of this letter of 2 Timothy is it's coming from the Apostle Paul, a man who knows he's about ready to go off into eternity to give his life for the cause of Christ under Nero in Rome. And so he's writing this to encourage a young man in the faith to hang in there and not give up and not throw in the towel in spite of all the difficulties that he's going through within and without. And because Paul is about ready to cross the finish line, and he even says in chapter 4, verse 7 of this letter, I competed well, I finished the race, I kept the faith. He's about ready to go across the finish line and finish well. 
He tells us in this letter then how every other Christian who's ever come behind him can also finish well and cross that finish line as well. And in the first 13 verses of 2 Timothy chapter 2, the chapter passage we're going to look at this morning, he really shares with us how we as Christians can finish well. In spite of the difficulty of following Jesus Christ and becoming like Him, in spite of the climate and challenges in which we live, that that the last days are going to present unique challenges and they're going to be difficult days, Paul is going to lay down for us how we can cross the finish line successfully. See, the Bible tells us that in order to follow Jesus, it requires everything that we've got. The Christian life is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And Paul really, you know, supports that by his own life and ministry and by what he says here. You know, we read in the Bible that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. That, you know, as a Christian, the world that is opposed to God and anti-God, our own flesh and the devil is always assaulting our soul. And therefore, we need to make sure that, that we are in a place that we can be to navigate the challenges of everyday life and just living on earth and the difficulties that following Jesus Christ will bring. And so Paul shares these with us in this great passage of Scripture. He begins in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 2 with these words. He says, So you, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's the first principle, the first truth, if you will, of how every Christian can navigate the difficulty of following Jesus Christ and the difficult days that we live in and all the challenges and opposition and everything that life brings, Paul starts out by saying, here's how you do it, Timothy. Here's how you can cross the finish line as successfully as I have. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. The word be or the words be strong mean to be strengthened, to be empowered. It doesn't mean that somehow we look within ourselves and we find a strength within us. The idea of the Greek language here is to be strengthened and empowered by an outside source. And Paul goes on to tell Timothy what that outside source is. The grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And we define here grace as God's supernatural enablement and empowerment. And so Paul is saying, don't try to live this life in your own power and strength. As a Christian, you and I will never finish well. We will never cross the finish line like Paul. We will never be able to handle the difficult life that is following Jesus Christ, and what difficult days we'll bring if we're trying to live in our own power and strength. But the Bible teaches us that God is more than willing to, in a sense, offer us and to give us, to pour out into our lives every day, 
His power and strength that goes way beyond what power and strength you and I can muster on our own. And Paul says, but remember something. It is found in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then that also reminds us then that the Bible teaches that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so along with that concept of living in his grace, which will strengthen us, is really the idea of humbling ourselves every day. And instead of saying, God, I've got this. God, I can handle this on my own. I don't need you, nor do I need your strength. Recognizing that it's only in God's grace that God will pour out that strength, then it really is a recognition and acknowledgement that I go to God and say, God, I can't live this on my own. I can't do this on my own. I can't navigate this on my own. Please bestow to me. Please give me your strength for today, for this hour, for this minute maybe even. I need your strength. And when we humble ourselves, and when we acknowledge that we don't have the power and strength to live this life and to handle all the challenges and all the difficulties, then God, more than willing, pours out His grace into our lives, which gives us that inner strength by which we can navigate life, handle the challenges, And finish life well, just like Paul finished life. Be strong in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. That is the first principle, Paul says, to Timothy and to every other Christian of how you and I can finish well as well. The second one is found beginning in verse 2, where he says, and entrust what you heard me say in the presence of many others as witnesses to faithful people who will be competent to teach others as well. I want to condense verse 2 into this principle. I think that what we could say here is this, that besides being strong in God's grace, the second principle is this, that as a Christian, I need to share my life with other Christians who are committed. Let me repeat that. I need to share my Christian life with other Christians who are committed. I need to invest, multiply myself, and live and surround myself with committed Christians. Now, obviously, it's not that we're not going to have or that we're going to have contact every once in a while with Christians that aren't that committed. They're lukewarm. But Paul's saying, Christians, realize something. You and I only have so many hours in the day, so many, so many minutes in a week, so many years in a lifetime. And there's so many Christians who, I'll say it this way, they try to drag people to the cross who really don't want to go. And they spend a lot of time even trying to drag other Christians along the path of Christ-likeness. And Paul's basically saying, Christian, stop dragging anybody anywhere. 
It's only sapping you of your strength and energy and vitality for Christ. You surround yourself and you invest in those Christians that are really committed. That's what the word faithful means. It means to be trustworthy, reliable, dependable. And Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, as a, as a young pastor, you might have many people in your flock. But obviously you can only invest in so many people. And he's telling Timothy, Timothy, don't invest in those that really could care less. You've only got so many people that you can really invest in. In trust, invest in faithful people. And we all need to take heed to that. As we surround ourselves with very resourceful Christians, then it's going to be that iron sharpening iron principle and we're both going to mutually be strengthened and grow as we surround ourselves with each other. But if you try to continue to beat your head against the wall to drag people to Christ who really don't want to go, or you're trying to drag Christians along who really aren't yet really devoted and committed to becoming like Christ and to being serious about their Christian life, all that's going to do is start sapping you of any energy, strength, and vitality that, that you have. And so Paul here basically, in principle, is saying, share your life with those who are committed. Again, you know, we're going to hang around Christians every once in a while that aren't committed, but we've got to make the determination that we want to finish well. And if we want to finish well, and we want to be committed, then we've got to hang around committed people. Because if you as a Christian say, I, I want to be committed, I, I really want to make Christ number one priority in my life, and yet all the other Christians that you hang around with, that you really spend most of your time with, lack that commitment, lack that devotion, they could care less about becoming more like Christ, spiritual growth is not a priority for you, I guarantee you this. It won't be long and that fire, that spiritual fire and all of that that you have is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And secondly, share your Christian life predominantly with other Christians who are committed. Third, in the next few verses. He says to Timothy, here's what you and I as Christians have to do. We have to adopt the mindset of a soldier, of an athlete, and of a farmer. And Paul is telling Timothy, if you think about each of these, he says, and, and what accompanies all of that, he says, that's going to aid you in finishing well and navigating your Christian life. Notice he begins in verse 3 with, Take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The words take, care, take your share of suffering literally in the Greek means a willingness to accept being deployed on the front lines, joining others. We talked about that last week. Being willing to put ourselves out there in spite of 
the criticism and the obstacles and the opposition and the challenges and all of that. In a sense, that's what Paul's saying here. And he's saying, Timothy, think about soldiers. Think about what they go through. He says, no one in military service, verse 4, in the heat of battle gets entangled in matters of everyday life. In other words, Paul's saying, man, we've got to realize something. As Christians, we are in a battle. We are in a war. Again, going back to the verses I shared earlier, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in every place. The the Christian life, as I've said before, is not a playground, it's a battleground. And Christians who will not adopt the mindset that they are in a battle, a war of the world, the flesh and the devil, will never finish well. Will never cross that finish line well. Because in order to navigate this difficult life and road that leads to life, and few find it, in order to navigate the difficult days and challenges in which we live, the only way as a Christian I can successfully do that is to adopt the mindset of a soldier who's in battle and who's always on active duty. The devil, the world, and our flesh never take a day off. They never take a vacation. And if you and I just check out for a little while, all those spiritual forces against us are going to start winning real quickly. And see, Paul's basically reminding Timothy, Timothy, when a soldier's in the heat of battle, they can't get distracted. If they get distracted from what's going on around them, then they either put their own life in jeopardy or other soldiers around them, their life in jeopardy. A soldier's got to stay focused in the heat of battle. And that's exactly what Paul's telling Timothy here. That's the kind of mindset that we need to have as Christians. And notice Paul goes on to say in verse 4, No one in military service gets entangled in matters of everyday life. Otherwise, he will not please the one who recruited him. Paul says, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, my number one ambition should be to please my commanding officer. And it is my commanding officer, Jesus Christ, who chose me, don't miss this, to be a warrior. That's what the word recruited in the Greek language means. See, that's where Christians, when they think that salvation is the end and not the beginning... Oh, I got saved. I accepted Jesus Christ, my Savior. I got my ticket to heaven. My sins are forgiven. I'm just on cruise control. Have no concept of why God died for them and what this is all about if they continue to have that kind of mindset towards their Christian life. Jesus Christ didn't leave the glories of heaven and die on the cross just to forgive us our sin and to take us to heaven when we die. He died on the cross so that we could experience abundant life here and now. So that we could become like Jesus Christ here and now. And so that we would have the inner strength and inner ability and inner capacity through Him to be able to handle whatever life throws at us. That's why Jesus Christ came to give us life. 
And so we've got to adopt this mindset of the soldier and recognize when God chose us to salvation, he also chose us to be a warrior. And God is saying to all Christians then, rise up and be the warriors that God chose you to be. Because whether you like it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, you are in a war and battle every day of your life. And we need to approach life from that mindset. Secondly, he says another mindset is the mindset of an athlete. Many of you at one time in your life competed as an athlete or you are now competing as an athlete. And Paul basically says in verse 5, Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he will not be crowned as a winner unless he competes according to the rule. couple things there. He says, obviously, in every competition, there's rules, there's standards, there's boundaries. And any athlete that is not willing to participate within the boundaries, the rules, the standards of that competition is going to be disqualified. They're not going to win. Or like we see today, they win and then they end up getting their medals or whatever taken away from them after the fact because, you know, they had drugs or they, they realized that the car was fixed or something. They have to give up the winner's trophy or the reward. Or the victor's crown. But also, Paul is saying this. By using the word compete, and Paul was very familiar in his day with the Ismithian Games and Corinth, with the obviously Greek Games, the Olympics. He uses the word compete, which is a very strong word that has lots of meaning. It means to be fully engaged, requiring exertion. Sacrifice, discipline, determination, and perseverance. And Paul is saying, if you're an athlete and you're, in, you're competing and you want to be the best or give your best, then every athlete knows I've got to apply myself. I can't just go out there half-hearted and give it half-effort. Every athlete, any Olympic athlete knows that though they may show up every four years and perform in front of the world, that that's taken years and years of training, behind the scenes, sacrifice, discipline, fully engaged in order to achieve what they achieve. And Paul is saying, why can't Christians approach the Christian life that same way? Why is it that we think somehow I can give a half effort as a Christian towards following Jesus Christ, but I want all the blessings and benefits? I I want God to bless my life. I want to feel His fullness. I want to experience His power. I want to have all the blessings of fully in with Christ, but I don't want any of the commitment. I, I don't want to put forth I don't want to exert myself too much. And Paul's saying, don't we realize even from the field of athletics that you can't expect to get out of something what you don't put in? I mean, this is true through all of life. Why is it that, you know, a student thinks, I should get an A on this exam when they 
haven't spent any time studying. Why do Christians think somehow I'm going to get, and I expect so much from God and so much out of my Christian life, but I'm not willing to pay the price that it takes as, in a sense, a Christian athlete who's living the Christian life to really pour my all into it. Again, let me remind you of what the word competes means. It means to be fully engaged and requires great exertion, sacrifice, discipline, determination, and perseverance. And Paul says, just like any athlete, if you as an athlete adopt those mindsets, then you're probably going to be pretty successful. Because nowadays especially, in our world today, it's all about trying to get as far as I can the easiest way possible. Or taking some kind of shortcut. And somehow I can take shortcuts and still win. And Paul's saying that's never been true in the universe that God created, and it never will be true. There are no shortcuts to becoming like Jesus Christ. There are no shortcuts to being successful in spiritual warfare. There are no shortcuts to handling the pressures of the world and our own flesh. It takes the mindset of a soldier and an athlete. And then, he says, it also takes the mindset of a farmer in verse 6. And the emphasis here actually is not on the farmer that are the first two words, but on the next two words, or three words, who works hard. That's actually first in the Greek New Testament in that verse. The farmer who works hard ought to have the first share of the crops. Again, the words work hard here means one who exhibits great effort and exertion to the point of exhaustion. We all know down through history that anybody that was a farmer to do with the land what they have to do in order to get a return back, that's hard work. Any farmer knows they have to go through great effort and exertion to the point of exhaustion, long days out there in those fields in order to get something back. And again, Paul's saying to Christians, to Timothy, here's how I finished well, Timothy. I didn't expect a great return on my Christian life without a great investment on my part. I had to be like that farmer that said, if I want a great crop, if I want great results, then I've got to be willing to pour my all into it like that farmer, like that athlete, like that soldier. And so, in this passage, Paul first says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Second, share your Christian life with others who are truly committed. And third, adopt the mindset of three individuals, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Fourth, Notice what he says in verse 7. Think about what I am saying, and the Lord will give you understanding of all this. The fourth thing that we need to do as Christians is to take the time to think about life 
about our life, about what God has said, to truly take the time to, the words think mean to reflect, to ponder, to consider, to meditate. And this is really important now in this day and age because we get so busy as a Christian in our life that we take very little time to actually quiet ourselves and to just spend some time thinking. And notice here the marriage of our responsibility and God showing up. Paul says to every Christian, if you and I would just take the time to think about these things, God will give us understanding. But see, God responds to our investment. We want God's understanding. We want, we want to see things from God's perspective. And by the way, this word understanding means to bring all the pieces together. Think of it like a puzzle. You lay out a big puzzle and you have all the pieces there on the table and they're all exploded and you can't make sense of any of it. Sometimes that's the way life is. And God is saying, you want me to start bringing those pieces together so you start seeing things a little bit clearer? Then spend some time thinking about what I've said and thinking about your life and pondering and reflecting on life and the direction you're going. And, and how things are going. Don't get so busy that you don't have time every once in a while to just sit and think with God. Paul says this is so important. Because when we do take the time to do that, God will show up. He will give you understanding. And he will begin to bring all those pieces that seem so disjointed and can't make any sense. He will begin to bring understanding. Folks, I, I have to do this every week as your pastor who wants and desires to feed you the word of God. I approach a passage and I'm telling you, most of the time, this is a bad joke, but it's Greek to me. I can't make sense of it. And I have to spend lots of time not just studying, but I've got to spend lots of time just thinking about these passages. And it's as I, and I'm sharing this to hopefully encourage you, as I think about what God says, God begins to give me insight and understanding and apprehension into what he said. But if you and I aren't willing to take the time to think about it, then we can't expect God's understanding to show up. Fifth thing Paul said, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Continually be mindful of Jesus Christ. And again, you would think, well, shouldn't we as Christians always be mindful of Jesus? Well, we should, but let's face it, we're not always. We don't always wake up every day thinking about Jesus. I think that's why Jesus even implemented the Lord's table when he said, do this in remembrance of me, because he knows as human beings, even as Christians, that there's going to be times where if it's not in the forefront of our mind and if we're not intentionally and consciously bringing him or what he's done to the forefront of our mind, it can tend to go off our radar. 
And so Paul is saying, Timothy, here's how you can finish well. Here's how every Christian can finish well. Be continually mindful of Jesus Christ. Think about Him. And he goes on to say, first of all, raised from the dead. In other words, He's very much alive. And because He's very much alive, He's at the right hand of God the Father. And the Bible says many times He's interceding for you and I. He's there to help us anytime we need it. The greatest help we can ever have is Jesus Christ. And He's very much alive and able and willing to help. And then Paul goes on to say he's not only alive, but he's also the descendant of David, which is also a reminder of something to think about, that that meant he was 100% human. And that's why the Bible tells us he can empathize with us. He can sympathize with us because he went through everything a human being will go through, yet without sin. I think also we remember Jesus Christ because when we think about Jesus, we are reminded that the cross comes before the crown. Before Jesus was exalted and given a name that was above every name, he had to embrace the cross. And you and I, we want the crown, but we don't want any parts of the cross. And yet Jesus said to all of his followers, And that this is why I think the road to life is truly difficult and narrow and few Christians even find it. It's because Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? You got to embrace a cross. You've got to die to self every day and you've got to take up your cross daily and you've got to follow me. That's the kind of stuff that we get when we remember Jesus Christ. And in remembering him, it's like the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, this is what helps our endurance. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set at the right hand of God the Father. Think of him who endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds, the writer of Hebrews said. Remember Jesus Christ. Sixth, I've just got two more. The sixth thing to remember, our personal adversity leads to the eternal benefit of others. Our personal adversity leads to the eternal benefit of others. Notice Paul goes on to say at verse 8 and then on into verse 9, such is my gospel... For which I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment as a criminal. God's message is not in prison. So I endure all things for the sake of those chosen by God, that they too may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus and its eternal glory. Paul says, here's the kind of, again, mindset that I need to live by as a Christian. That I may find myself at different times and seasons of my life going through adversity. Paul said, I suffered hardship all the time. I was affected by pain, distress, all the time throughout my Christian life as I served the Lord. But the thing that kept me going and kept me on the right track and allowed me to finish well was I realized that any adversity that God allowed in my life God was going to use that not only in my life, but he was going to use it to touch other people's lives as well. And they were going to eternally benefit through my adversity. 
My imprisonment was actually going to benefit other Christians and to even bring other people into the kingdom of Christ. And so Paul says, man, cling to that. Hold to that. Because so often as Christians, when we go through personal adversity, we ask the question, why? Why, God? Why are you allowing this? I'm only just trying to serve you. I'm, I'm trying to live for you. Why are you allowing this to happen? And sometimes we'll know, but other times we'll never necessarily know because God is so much bigger and and our Christian life is so much bigger. We've got to realize that there are going to be people who are touched by you and by the way you handle the adversity and the way God takes you through that adversity that you won't even know that you touched their life until you get to heaven. That's how big it is. And then when you get to glory, you're going to have maybe some people approach you and go, you never even knew me on earth. But I was observing or I even heard about what you were going through as a Christian. And I want to tell you, it inspired me. It motivated me. It's, it helped me. It encouraged me. Even just hearing about your testimony. And though you and I never met, your personal adversity led to my eternal benefit. See, what we go through as Christians is never purposeless. And though we may not know the purpose at that moment, what we have to cling to in order to stay on the right path and finish well is that God always has a purpose for the adversity that He allows His children to go through. And many times, again, it's not about us. It may be about another life who will eternally benefit from what we go through and we won't even know about it. That's where we've got to live by faith, not by sight. And finally, Paul says to Timothy, here's the last thing you need to cling to in order to finish well. You need to remember that God is trustworthy. Notice what he says in verses 11, 12, and 13. This saying, Timothy, is trustworthy. It means a faithful word, a word that is certain, a word that is sure, a word that you can bank on, a word that you can build your life upon, a word that you can count your eternity and eternal destiny upon. It's that kind of word. That's why Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes that God's word is like a firmly fixed nail. That it is pounded in and it can hold things. When you want your life held together by something, it is the word of God, the nails of God, the promises of God that hold us and hold our lives together. Because he can be trusted. And it is sure. And it is certain. And so Paul goes on to tell Timothy, If we died, and and by the way, in the Greek language, the word together is implied in the Greek. If we died together with Him, we will also live together with Him. If we endure together with Him, we will also reign together with Him. Paul says, if we deny Him, which by the way, in the Greek language means say no to. So think of it that way. If we say no to Jesus, Guess what Paul says? He will say no to us. And then Paul goes on to say, but if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. 
trustworthy, dependable, reliable, since he cannot deny himself. In other words, Jesus Christ is always true to who he is. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ will not change. People change. Relationships change because people change. But the one thing we can count on always is that Jesus Christ will never change in how he looks at us, how he feels about us, how he loves us and all that. Because he doesn't change. He never changes. It's one of the things, again, that we can count on. He is unchangeable. God in his nature is unchangeable. We don't have to worry about somewhere a thousand years from now, God God going, just kidding, Jeff. You don't really get to spend eternity with me. We never have to worry about it. That's why we can count on God. That's why we can count on his word. And over and over again, the Bible is, is linking God himself with his word and saying, folks, this is what you can base your life on. This is what will matter. This is what at the end of the day really counts. This is what's going to enable us to finish well. And over and over again, the Bible is reminding us about again, how enduring and sure and certain the word of God is. Listen to some of these verses. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. The word settled means fixed, firm, something we can count on. Peter wrote in 1 Peter, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Jesus even said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My words will never pass away. See, what Jesus says is going to count throughout eternity, and it's never going to change. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you want to finish well? Count on Jesus. You can't always count on the word of other people. You can't always count on other people. But you can always count on Jesus. Because everything that Jesus says, it'll happen just like he said. Everything Jesus promised, he will fulfill those promises to the letter. In fact, Jesus even said, not one jot, not one tittle, not one accent mark will ever be left off of what God has said. Folks, the Christian life is not easy. You've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that to be true. You know that your soul is assaulted every day by the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know you wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. You know that the Christian life really isn't a playground, it's a battleground. You know that the way to life is difficult, and few find it. You know that difficult days are here on this earth. And therefore, Paul is saying not only to Timothy, but to every Christian who comes after. You want to finish well like me? You want to cross that finish line strong? Paul says, here's how you do it. 
You remain strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. You share your Christian life with Christians who are committed. You adopt the mindset of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. You take time to think about things in your life and what God has revealed. You remember Jesus Christ. You realize, you cling to, and you acknowledge every day that whatever personal adversity you go through is for others' eternal benefit, and you remind yourself every day, God can be trusted. Let's pray. God, we thank you for giving us, Lord, such encouragement from one who was ready to go out into eternity. One who said to us, everything he went through for Christ was worth it. He wouldn't take anything back. He wouldn't change anything. He would be just as committed to Christ at that point as he ever was. And yet he says, I've seen so many Christians who have become tragedies, if you will, along the way. They didn't take the Christian life seriously. They didn't take commitment to Christ seriously. And life and the distractions and busyness of life and the world and the flesh and the devil got the best of them and they've fallen out of the race somewhere along the line. They've dropped out. They raised a white flag. They said, I quit. God, your desire is that none of your children end up that way. You want us, Lord, not only to become a Christian through faith in Jesus Christ. You want us to become more like Jesus throughout our earthly life. And you want us, Lord, to finish well. To finish strong. And you've given us the things that we need to keep in mind every day in order to do that. Lord, I pray that in these weeks and months and years that we might have until you return, that God, you would keep us mindful of what we've learned here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.